30 years from now, when you're sitting around your fireplace with your grandson on your knee, and he asks you if you watch the second battle of the WWF superstars, you won't have to say, well, I was watching reruns of The Simpsons. From Television City in Hollywood. The following rustic exhibition requires discretionary viewer participation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of GFA Live. I am your host, Peter Winston. I'm going to waste no time bringing in my amigo, Mike Padre, my best friend in the whole wide world on Saturday mornings. A man who is a one, he's known in some circles as the one man stimulus package, Mr. Keithy Langston. How are you? I, uh, I am a stimulus package. You bet you, Bippy, I am. How are you this morning, Pete? I'm doing great because even though. The monies for Outer Banks, North Carolina, are not due until June 1st. Somebody paid me their entire amount already because they knew exactly what to do with their stimulus check. (laughs) I got my stimmy. I told you, I love the fact that I am poor enough in the eyes of the U.S. Congress that I get my stimmy check. I am so excited. I was like, let me get this out of my pocket. You know, the old proverbial chestnut. Uh, you know, uh, don't let it burn a hole in your pocket. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to burn a hole in my pocket. I figured I'd let it burn a hole in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't want to have a situation where you know you've you've paid halfway already, and then we get to a point you're like, Keith, what happened? You got you got a stimulus check. You you can't pay us the rest. Like, yeah, I, I spent it all on Legos the first weekend. I got it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> That's always a fear in my house is that I'm going to just go on some crazy Lego spree. I mean, I, I would say that death by Lego would probably be the best way to go for me. I think death by Lego is somebody's finisher. I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in the independence. Uh, death it's, death by by Lego. I was going to say, but, is it Brian Kendrick? You know, he goes really goes real great with uh, slice bread number five or whatever the hell it was he used to do. It, it, Excuse me, he's the Brian Kendrick. He's like the the George Washington University or the Ohio State University. The. By the way, con- congratulations, congratulations to Ohio State for getting some oral last night. Uh, <laughs> job well done by them as the number two seed in the NCAA tournament, losing only yeah. the ninth one ever. Yeah, well, I had them losing to Michigan in the final, so I'm I'm pretty much out. I only did want to have mild rooting interests, but. Mm. Uh, Today, we're, we're going back to the Coliseum video because I asked Keithy, do you, do you have anything you want to watch? And you said, and I'm not going to say it the way that you said it, but you requested something that has Jake Roberts in it. Oh, uh, Snake Man! Uh, snake Man! Uh, snake Man! <laughs> and, and we got Ultimate Warrior, but they are in separate segments. And this is the second annual Battle of the WWF Superstars. <laughs> I, I couldn't find the first annual, so we're just going to skip no. right to the second one. Yeah. And these, these matches are uh, a couple of them from the end of 1990, but most of them are from the first quarter of 1991. So certainly right in our wheelhouse and with many of our old favorites, and I'm going to hit play, Video. as it's Oakland in the uh, Unit 1 or whatever the hell they call it. Oh, he's promoting the upcoming tapes like WrestleFest 91. 
focus on Jimmy Hart. With Greg Valentine and Rick Martell. Greg Valentine and Rick Martell. And Greg Valentine doing a hip toss on Rick Martell. Yes. It's a very different... Oh! Oh! Randy Savage coming in to co-host this. Tell them all over the world who the new host for the Coliseum Video Spectacular is going to be, WrestleFest 91. Tell them who I was just about to add that the Macho Man will be guiding us through the upcoming WrestleFest 91. Oh, yeah, and it's my first Coliseum Video assignment, and I'm pumped up, Mean Gene. Oh, yeah. Jack. I, I, I love the notion of Macho Man Randy Savage being a guy who's excited about starting a new gig. <laughs> sure. Like, you just kind of expect him to be what he is all the time. Mm-hmm. But yes. he's a human, just like the rest of us. He gets excited about things. Mm-hmm. Cocaine, hell of a drug. Uh. Why is there, like, a marching band in the... Uh... Where's the trumpet? Oh, he trumpet. Oh, oh, oh who is we're doing some sort of patent thing. We're this Sean Harley Ermy. Oh, Sean Mooney. The opposite of Harley Ermy. Staff Sergeant Sean Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> you figured out his rank? Wow, he's got the uh, he's got some medals on there. Do we need to find but... out if this is stolen valor? <laughs> Why does Mooney have a purple heart in this? I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Isn't Sean Mooney Canadian? Coliseum video fans love a winner. They will not tolerate a loser. And this second battle of the WWF... fucking looks like Colonel De Beers here. Hold on, time out. He just said that Coliseum home viewers only like winners and won't tolerate losers. We have seen a lot of fucking losers. Yes. Yeah. With your grandson on your knee. And he asks you if you watch the second battle of the WWF superstars. You won't have to say... Well, I was watching reruns of The Simpsons. Nothing wrong with that. I would be proud to lead you Coliseum video fans into this battle of the WWF superstars anytime, any place. But first, let's take a look at these little superstars. That's all. I'm going to bet you that they had to do 28 takes for that. Oh. It was nice of DiBiase to come in and film that ad. <laughs> DiBiase and Savage in their secret friendship. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're just we're just playing all the figures. All right, all right. Jesus. Settle down there, guys. By the way, I don't think I don't think I don't I don't by the way, I don't think Marty Jannetty should be allowed near children. Uh, that's just no. a, an opinion that I have. I was gonna ask. Yeah. I was gonna ask you. Do you think that the warrior had problems with his uh, his script that he had there at the end? <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he like uh, is like, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble grasping this character. 
I mean, is he like from a Rain Man or Awakenings? I mean, what the hell am I doing here? Oh, this is a, oh. a warrior symbol on the cheeks uh, era. Ah, uh, yes. Sean Mooney at Fort Bragg. You know, no, the, he's at he's at Kadena Airbase. These <laughs> I never heard of it. These Coliseum videos became so militarized, gradu- so gradually, I didn't even notice. Like Mooney, <laughs> Mooney's running into Titan Towers and tanks. I mean, uh, come on. <laughs> the military-industrial complex finally taking over in Stanford. I think Rusev stole Mooney's idea, because Mooney was the first one to ride in a tank. And Rusev stole it for WrestleMania 31, the abomination. You look to be a fine bunch of men. And I am proud to march into battle with you. Good shape. Hold on just a bit. <clears throat> Not going to fall for that, huh? Good man. Are you in charge of this outfit? Yes, sir. They look like they're ready for action. Always, sir. Well, they are going to see a lot of it in the next couple of hours. Is this ever going to fucking end? <laughs> because, gentlemen, all, all I want to tell you is I ask imagine, you. Imagine, like, Terry Gibbs or, uh, not Terry Gibbs, um, <laughs> Pat Patterson. Yeah, Terry Gibbs or Pat Patterson being involved in this. And Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh! Yes, Mr. Perfect versus Rowdy Roddy Piper from. Rowdy Rowdy. Right, In Orlando, ahead. Florida, Superstars taping February 18th, 1991. So this is clearly before Piper's accident or whatever the hell it was where he had the leg injury at WrestleMania. Yeah, just a couple of uh, guys from Portland Wrestling getting together. That's the way I view it. Always a fun time. Bobby Heenan. Heenan putting his hand to his mouth. I told you, I don't like that. But maybe it's because I'm looking through it through, through modern eyes. Because everything that he's touched since he washed his hands is now in his mouth, which is which puts him at a viral risk. This is true. And now he catches the blanket. The blanket, the towel. <laughs> the blanket. <laughs> what are you saying? That Mr. Perfect was the Linus of the World Wrestling Federation? <laughs> he had to carry a blanket to the ring? <laughs> he sure did. I'll tell you what the Intercontinental title is all about, Charlie Brown. (laughs) (laughs) What day was this filmed, or what day is this taped? February the 18th of 91. Okay. So I I don't really think too much about Piper as a wrestler at the end of 90 and 91. Because I, I thought he was just doing announcing because he does the Survivor Series, he does the Royal Rumble, he does SummerSlam. So he's not really an active guy, but I guess he did these things. I mean, I would have to imagine that this was the main event of this show. Right? Well, let me, let me check on that because ordinarily you'd have a world title match, but because it was Slaughter at that point... Uh, that, that might not have been the greatest uh, main event in the world no. in terms of trying to draw people there. You the know Orlando... it's going to be slaughtering Duggan. They're in the Orlando Arena, which, uh, by the way, is a building that I 
actually sorry hockey game in. But it no longer stands because they 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 built it in 1988 and it's already been torn down. Um, I was going to say, was this where the Thunderdome was before they had to move it? Yeah. The main the main event would actually be Sergeant Slaughter defeating the Ultimate Warrior in a non-title steel cage match. And then there was Hulk Hogan over Earthquake in a stretcher match. So this would be third from the top. It, you know, but yeah. Still a pretty strong show. But it only drew nine thousand. And I mean it was it's an NBA arena, so you know that's probably sixteen thousand at least minimum. But this was a this was a taping. Yeah. Hmm. The episodes of Superstars leading into a WrestleMania seven. So the March 9th, March 16th, and then March 23rd. <laughs> so very, very long TV taping. So now, how did <clears throat> before? We, I, do you know the results of this match or no? I I purposely I purposely did not look up actual finishes except for the one match that I know you're going to be disappointed in later. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I was did, we talk, say, did we talk about that say, off air before I started recording? Where I where I kept teasing you with a match that you you were going to get very excited yeah. for, and then you were going to be yes. very disappointed. Yeah, yes, and I was, and I'm excited for a lot of these. You sent me the lineup. I will I will pull back the curtain and say you okay. sent me the lineup. I don't know the results, but you sent me the lineup, and uh, I got very excited about this because I because of several of the superstars that make appearances on this tape, and then you I'm, and then you. You crashed all you, you dashed all my dreams by telling me that one of them is very underwhelming. <laughs> and I went, Oh shit. And now I'm like obsessed hoping that it's not like it's not one of the ones that I'm I'm really excited for this. I imagine this match ends in a schmoz of some kind. I'm guessing uh either a double count out, a disqualification from perfect, uh a disqualification perhaps on Piper with an interference from the big boss man. Um or very well or yeah, uh, yeah. No, I was going to say Sherry, but I, Sherry wasn't with Tassi at this point. So I was hoping that this would be maybe the match where Piper... Oh, Piper is manhandling uh, Hebner That's, and putting him on the top rope. That's a good idea. I was hoping it would be the Piper versus Mr. Perfect match where Perfect went over clean with the Perfect Flex and then Piper shook his hand after. Because that is a, that, that's a thing that happened. I think we already saw that, didn't we? Did, did we? Uh, you know what? That was in 1990, and I'll have to, I will have to rewind in in the browser and just just to see when that was, as they're just kind of duking it out in the middle. Um, I know, I know, you don't want to talk about Earl Hebner, but I do want to bring up. Uh, I I think I sent you that tweet about him thinking that they were going to come and whack him. <laughs> the, uh, beyond the ring, uh, be, uh, dark side of the ring guys were going to come and whack him for the Montreal. Yeah. And I was like, what a putz. Like, Earl Hebner's a putz. And I think I tweeted <laughs> to you, I was like, it's not like he cost the Canadians the Stanley Cup. <laughs> like, Yeah. That's that's true. In fact, if he if he had done, if there was like a Steve Bartman incident that caught somehow, I know in hockey it's impossible, but let's, let's yeah. just say that there was and somebody in Montreal cost the Canadians the Stanley Cup. Um, yeah. I it would basically make the Bartman thing look like small potatoes. 
basically. I, I mean, let's say, what could be the equivalent of that? Um, maybe a, a fan putting his uh, hams against the glass at, <laughs> during, like, a, during like an overtime in a Stanley Cup final game <laughs> and distracting one of the players. <laughs> let, let, let me just make clear the level of, of, of intensity in Montreal. When I went to a game there with my friend Merrill, as we were walking out, the Canadians had won the game 2-1 to one over the Bruins. And this guy threatened to light my friend's Bruins, Merrill's Bruins jersey on fire that he was wearing. And this was after a Canadian's victory. So let me, let me just be clear, like the level of intensity that is in play. And it's been 28 years since they've won the Stanley Cup. And I have no idea how we got on this tangent. <laughs> oh, perfect. He's got his uh, gear torn. A 1991 staple. Or at least just this in SummerSlam. Um, yeah. And Piper just holding him up by his pants and then punching him in the face. Um, getting back to the Montreal Canadiens heat that Merrill was getting. I mean, between that and... L- little, literal him, heat. Literal heat where the guy was yeah. lighting a match. Yeah. And we know there was literal heat in Vancouver after they lost the Stanley Cup. I'm beginning to think that maybe Mon- that maybe Canada is not as wonderful as um, everybody in America thinks. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I want to go to Manitoba in February. I'll just put it that way. But I I, I can't wait to go back to Toronto. <laughs> There's no heat in Manitoba in February. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Piper, Piper has torn all of Perfect's uh, trunks off, or his uh, his singlet off. Yeah, it's basically AWA Kurt Henning in there against Piper. Yeah, yeah. I think this should be because it's 1991 and the promotion's dead. That this should be for the AWA title. <laughs> Larry had clearly vacated it because he joined up with the uh, War Games team, the for- with the Horsemen, substituting for Arn. Yeah. Oh, double clothesline. Oh, double yes. clothesline spot. We love those. Hey, I pop for double clotheslines, back elbows, and uh, what's the other thing? Oh, the DiBiase power slam. Yeah, DiBiase power slam. DiBiase Buzz Sawyer power slam. It's It's been 209 episodes of the regular show, and I'm finally figuring out who I am. <laughs> it's These are my own McFoley vignettes. Yes. What do you think about a... Uh... What would you say is Buck Zoomoff signature move? I want you to do a Buck Zoomoff scale. Oh. <laughs> oh. Really? <laughs> really? Oh, he's putting. Oh my God! Perfect. He's putting back on his. Ah, showing us all that he puts his pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not perfect after all. <laughs> Why has he only got the one arm on? He should put the other singlet arm on. I think it's it might broken. have ripped. I, it might rip. I don't know if it ripped. Oh yeah. No. Jesus, poor spandex. Is he gonna do that? Uh, I think it was Kurt Angle thing where he's gonna pull down the pull up the strap just so he can pull down the strap again. <laughs> That's like when the Rock would would go for his third people's elbow and he wouldn't have any elbow pads on anymore. literally kicking Piper around the ring. Yeah, look at this. This is a good old-fashioned slobber knocker. 
Yeah, they've given this thing time. I mean, we're we're sixteen twenty. I oh, actually I forgot the first twenty minutes of this fucking video was Sean Mooney addressing real troops. Perfect, just doing a standing dropkick. I would give that a twelve on the Jesse scale, only well, because Jess, because Jesse would only get like a five on the Jesse scale. <laughs> All I can think of is when he did it at SummerSlam 89 and Tony Schiavone was like, that was totally awesome. <laughs> Look, I know that yes. there's a lot of Tony Schiavone calls that people remember, but the one that the, the one that I recall is, that was totally awesome. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. No. No. Just a, no. It would have been it would have been funny if if uh, no we're gonna do we're gonna do the quick two count thing but we question though is this Dave Hebner and not Earl? Uh, At what point did it officially switch? No, it's Earl. You can tell it's Earl. You know what my favorite Tony Schiavone line is when he when he said Tino is the word. That's my favorite Tony Schiavoneism. <laughs> so we had a ref bump here because Piper got on the kick out, ended up on top of Hefner, who apparently is more fragile than Brutus Beefcake in '93. <laughs> Piper should have bladed here. <laughs> if, it was, if it was Flair, he would have bladed. Ah, oh, is he going to be disqualified? Earl didn't see it. The one time Earl didn't see something and then disqualifies the guy. Come on, Earl. Where's Tito to provide some insight on this? I think Tito, that would have been a better gimmick than El Matador's if Tito became like the special ringside informant. Not enforcer, informant. Like he was the guy. He was just at every match, ringside, and would just really you gonna make the Mexican guy. Gonna make the Mexican guy be an informant. Come on, kids. <laughs> but only for professional wrestling. Yes. Looks to me like Piper's playing possum here, folks. Oh, he's gonna do the Bret Hart gold bricking thing. Yep. Oh, perfect flex. Down he goes. This is one, two, no. Man, I'm sick of these guys spamming finishers. <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't. Piper didn't like Hulk up or Warrior Wildness up or anything like that after he just, you know, after he kicked out of that. I'm not used to that. Pro Perfect exposed the turnbuckle. He's trying to send Piper's head into it, but Piper is blocking it. And Perfect is probably going to hit the ring post because that's his kryptonite. Oh, this feels like a double count out, doesn't it? Yep. But that's okay. I enjoyed this match. If that's what happens. Sure. Perfectly fraudulent wrestling performance. <laughs> Did he send Bobby to the back and I missed it? Did he say what? I said, did he? Did Earl send Bobby to the back, and I missed it? Hmm. Bobby's not even around. He must yeah, have sent Bobby to the back. I think he must have. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's really flying, Mr. Perfect. Uh, it's gonna be a disqualification. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Perfect was like, yeah, I don't, I don't need Heenan out there tonight. We're just gonna do the match for Coliseum, and that'll be that. But Alfred Hayes just long ago stopped resembling a match. This is an all-out war between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Perfect. Perfect crotched on the top rope. Uh-oh. Piper knocks him loose. And he comes down hard on the top turnbuckle. Oh, we're doing it. We do have a decision by the We have a DQ finish? For what? For what? He DQ'd Perfect? For the official word. Or is it a time limit draw? believes he has won this match. You know, your favorite finish. Let's get the decision from Howard Finkel. The referee has awarded the decision as a result of a countout to Rudy. Rudy. He was barely fucking outside of the ring. What the fuck? Well, a victory here for Rowdy Roddy. Is he counting him like being out on the on the ring apron and then on the turnbuckle? Oh, I think I think I think on. I think on the top row, he, ca- he was counting that. Wow. Hmm. Piper just took a wild swing at Perfect with the belt. Title. Yeah, he, he just missed, too. So it, so it looked good, because Perfect was obviously supposed to avoid it. Yeah, Perfect did about... Perfect did, like, a triple axel on his way down after getting hit with the belt. God. Oh look, Piper's Piper's looking at the Intercontinental title and is like, hmm, I, I might want to win this in the next year or so. Next year, baby. Do you think next that, year at this time. <laughs> do you think that a guy like Kurt Henning could have like legitimately led a company and been like the been the number one guy in a company? Where I think he suffered was ill timing because when Rick Martel was the AWA champion, that promotion was still in good shape. By the time Henning became champion in 87, it definitely trended downhill by that point. And if you swap them, if you, if you do another one of our famous swaps, and perfect, Henning is the champion in 84 and 85, but as his later self, I thought he would have done a lot better. And, you know, 88 AWA for whatever, or 87, 88, he, he, he did all right, but... It, it was not in a. It, it was like he's the best player on a bad hockey team, or mm. you know, like Mike Trout on the Angels. He's awesome, but he's he was stuck. He's been stuck on the Angels for the last four years. Right, right, right. I feel no compulsion to crank it up for Sean Mooney anymore because the stolen valor is starting to get to me. That's what I'm thinking. I'm saying I don't. I don't remember Sean Mooney being a uh, war war hero. Oh, the nasty boys! Oh, joy! Yeah, this is gen- well, this get- very early for them. Yeah, this is January twenty first, nineteen ninety one, at Madison yeah, Square Garden. Like, sounds like they don't even have music yet. No, they don't. I don't know that when that awesome, got debuted. That awesome Jimmy Hart guitar riff. Oh, Jesus, on a cracker. Here we go. Yeah, the Bushwhackers turn up yet again against the Nasty Boys, but that's okay because I understand going in the purpose of this match. The Nasty Boys have just gotten there. 
the Bushwhackers. It doesn't matter if you beat them. So everything's going to be fine. I just remember at I just remember in April of 1991 thinking that the Bushwhackers actually had a chance to possibly win the tag championship. <laughs> Boy, you're not a very good scout, are you? <laughs> not Maybe. realizing that that would never happen. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There was an understanding at the time that not everybody had to be tag team champions. You know, (laughs) like the Rockers never got the tag team titles except for that weird uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana thing. Yes. All right. Now, here's a question for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Now, do you think that do you think that the when the Bushwhackers met with Vince McMahon and they discussed what they were going to because up until they came to the WWF, they were like a serious tag team. And then yeah, they, they were hardcore the w- brawlers. <laughs> yeah. And then they came to the WWF and immediately become these two big clown shoes. Do you think that when they sat down with Vince and had a conversation, and Vince is like, listen, I have no intention of putting the belts on you. I have no intention of doing anything serious with you. I want you guys to be a total comedy act. Do you think that they then turned around and was like, okay, well, we need more money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, Vince and-, was like, and then Vince was like, sure. And the other perspective is uh I, we don't have to have like street fight brawls and you know gig our right. foreheads every night so it's easier money too and yeah clearly i i think that vince saw these guys or was you know tipped off to him i, I don't think i don't think vince was walk, watching like the 86 crockett cup or anything no. but no i think he was in the market for somebody to replace the george Steele sp- slot of yeah in, in, incoherent guy who would appeal to kids and you got these two bushwhackers, and you can plug that into the tag team division. Sure. And, and accomplish the same thing. Because Steele, he winds out in, like, eight middle of 88. And when do the bushwhackers turn up? Right at the end of 88. Right. And they do, they're do. they basically doing almost the exact same thing. Well, not the exact same thing George Steele would do. But, you know, they talked. Yeah. George, and I'm, George and Steele would I'm, just mumble like an asshole. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Vince, when he didn't have George Steele anymore or when he wasn't available to him, put an appropriate job ad in the newspaper to advertise for this particular role in the World Wrestling Federation. Because He didn't, you know, have, any, he didn't have any more <laughs> hillbillies to go through. <laughs> I know. Tough times. Tough times. <laughs> Did Vince ever – do we have any clips of Vince laughing at the bushwhackers like you would laugh at the hillbillies or no? Oh, almost certainly. But did Vince get a kick out of the Bushwhackers on on tape as much as we thought we think he did? I think so, but you got to remember, Vince wasn't doing pay per views as much then, and on weekly TV, you know, you just kind of have to comb through it. I mean, what's the most memorable Bushwhackers weekly TV match? Welp, not even a real tag match. It was him and Tugboat, them and Tugboat versus (laughs) Earthquake and the Nasty Boys. Jimmy Hart got to the tugboat. tugboat. Jimmy Hart got to the tugboat. That's my don't, buddy. Don't worry. We're going to see tugboat a little bit later on, and it's going to be glorious. I love, that. I love that when Piper goes, when he hits him and tugboat that's hits my like buddy. Butch, And he goes, that's my buddy. <laughs> and then Hogan goes, Hogan Savage goes, maybe Hulk Hogan's got something to do with it. No, no. <laughs> <sighs> well, let's let's not forget. Savage was like, I think the Bush, I think the, uh, I think Tugboat's forgetting which team he's on. 
That is uh, one of the greatest matches in the history of the World Wrestling Federation from so many on so many different levels. I just want to say Jimmy Hart's wearing a Jimmy Hart jacket. So he hadn't yet he hadn't yet developed fully developed the nasty boy persona that he would go on to showcase at WrestleMania seven. With the motorcycle helmet and the long black trench coat. I think I think you should get a Jimmy Hart jacket like that, except <laughs> yours would just say Keithy and like cursive writing and, and a big big like graffiti picture of you on the back of the jacket. I, I think that would be awesome. <laughs> Your life would be an avalanche of pussy once we can go back to bars. If you wear that jacket, I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, can that be my pool jacket when we go to the Outer Banks? <laughs> yes. I'll just wear it by the pool. Oh, boy. I look like fucking John Barrymore. <laughs> See, you don't, you haven't watched Casino yet. That's a line from Casino. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. We should have made this the Casino show. You know, next week is the 50th episode that we've done. <laughs> What, what do you think we should do? Should we do something special? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, pal. You okay. know me. I'm just I'm along for the ride. Well, I have my second vaccine shot next Saturday at noon. Oh. So oh. The, uh, the, the timing of it. Perhaps it's something we could do in two parts. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I also have my fantasy baseball draft next Saturday. So... Fantasy base. Oh, oh, right. Yes, that's that's sneaking up on me. There was a really, there was a really awful Orioles Pirates spring training game last night that the box score has to be seen to be believed. <laughs> I know nobody gives a crap about this, Wait. but it, it fascinated me to no end. Don't tell me. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> yes. Oh, 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 you are. Okay. I want to see what the box score was. I mean, From it's yesterday? not just. It's not just the number of runs, but also the number of errors involved. And they played a full nine-inning game because they cut out that nonsense where, oh, we'll end the game at seven innings. Like, it's... Oh, my God. Oh, my God! Are you serious? Oh, my God! Nine total errors. This is professional baseball right here. Well, not really at that point. Um... (laughs) It was eleven to nine. Baltimore eking out a victory, though eleven to nine. Thirteen hits to eight hits. Five. Er- Baltimore committed five errors and still won the game. Who the yeah. hell is on friggin' Pittsburgh Pirates this year? Well, the Pirates committed three errors in the first inning, so they got it out of their system early. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I know we could talk about the Nasty Boys versus the Bushwhackers, but what the fuck else are we gonna say about this? <laughs> I know. We already talked about the Bushwhackers and their financial issues going into the company. Uh, they're replacing George Steele. We talked about we talked about the Nasty Boys not having a theme song. We talked about Jimmy Hart not having his gear yet for the Nasty Boys. I mean, do we want to talk about and see if this Madison Square Garden card was where Brian Knobs became besties with Hulk Hogan? <laughs> oh, is that is that is was that set in stone somewhere? Or like, oh, this is this is where that happened. This is, I think, where that where that rogue fan tried to stab Hogan and Brian Knob stepped in the way. You never heard that story? Rogue fan tried to stab Hogan in 1991? Yeah, yeah you don't remember that story? No. <laughs> oh, that's because it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, that was some good bullshit game material by you on that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> Can you imagine 1991 Hogan almost getting stabbed by like a rogue fan? Hey man, New York <laughs> was, City in was, New York City in 1991 was a dangerous place. He was he was a real Iraqi sympathizer, and he he was a big fan of Sasha Slaughter. You know what? I can see where Slaughter's coming from, man. Can I, can I can I just say three words? Poor Titus O'Neil. <laughs> I mean, what what an uh, aw- what an awkward spot that is for him to uh, host with with Hogan, given what has I happened. Saw, I saw on uh, I saw on Twitter somebody put the picture of Homer, and on his hand it said it said like it's the Lenny White Carl Black, and somebody put <laughs> Hulk White. Titus Black. <laughs> and it was like, this is Vince's hand. Oh, yes! Yes! It's the first wrestling match I've ever seen live. It's the Barbarian versus Bret the Hitman Hart. Yep, from November 24th, 1990 at MSG. 15200 paid. Bret's got the tag belt on and the band jacket. And our referee for this one? Mr. Jack Lotz. Oh, oh Jack Lotz making a return. Yeah. Jack Lott's making his triumphant return to uh, greetings from Allentown Live. He was only he was only eighty one at the time of this match. <laughs> nice. Oh, I love the I love of, the bar- uh, I love the barbarian's outfit. I, I just got to get that in. Oh, I, it's, it's fantastic. Speaking of uh, GFA Live and barbarian sighting, and I just want to make I just want to make sure that you tune in to Facebook Live next Sunday. Uh, between nine and twelve, uh-huh. because the one true king Haku will be doing a virtual signing, and uh, there uh, there may be a shout out on there to uh, mm-hmm. Keith and Pete for uh, greetings from Allentown Live. Oh, well, um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Now you're gonna need to remind me closer to it because yeah, I, I forget I forget a lot of stuff lately. I wonder why that is. Uh, I don't know why that is, Smoky Bones. <laughs> I do love the Bob Arian outfit here. I God, I love this guy. This, oh, I fucking love the Bob Arian. I don't care what people say. I love. Although, have you heard him cut like a shoot interview? Like he talks recently, and he's kind of his voice come out. The voice coming out of his body does not look like it would come out of his body. I mean, it's oh, not so it's as bad like as like, it's not as bad as the Warlord, but it's pretty bad. Like you know. I've mentioned this before, and I, I, I should go back and figure out when it was. There was an event center promo where Barbarian was with Heenan, and Barbarian cut a better promo than Heenan in, in the event what? center. And I, I, was blo- I was blown away. That's impossible. Who was he talking about? <laughs> oh, it might have been one of those where he shouted out five names. You know, one of those promos that you love where <laughs> Davey Boy Smith doesn't know who he's going to be feuding with, so he just issues a blanket challenge to all the lower mid-card heels. <laughs> I'm I'm the British Bulldog. It's glad to be back in the World Wrestling Federation, and I'm just putting all of you on notice. I'm putting you, wait, I'm putting you, Barbarian, on notice, and you, Warlord, are also on notice. And don't forget about you, Haku. I'm telling you right now, you're on notice. <laughs> They're all on notice. The British Bulldog is here at the World Wrestling Federation, and he's about to sink his teeth into some competition. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's got to do like the little flex thing at the end. Yeah. Right. And then you cut to Sean Mooney, 
Uh, British Bulldog is going to sink his teeth into the competition here in the World <laughs> Wrestling Federation. You know, they say every dog has his day. Maybe today is the day for the British Bulldog. <laughs> Sean Mooney working puns out of, like, uh, like angles like that, that happened on the TV. Wow, chef's kiss to that one. You really, like, you know, he has, has a good one, you know. Here's the Tugboat fans, and Tugboat's coming in to the World Wrestling Federation to take on the likes of you, Dino Bravo. Now the Tugboat pulling into shore here. Tugboat looking to build, looking to have be some active during some shore leave. <laughs> Sean Woody's puns are so fucking bad. Well, well, with that outfit, who's going to turn him down? You know, the white, the white pants, the front ass. He's got it all. The earthquake looking to make looking to rattle some <laughs> like it was so bad. There's some rumblings around the World Wrestling Federation booking committee with the earthquake. That's so you know, awful. we should we should do like a superstars with those event center promos. Yeah. Like just Where... the event center promos? No, 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 no. Like we watch a regular show, like oh. like, like I do on Greetings from Allentown, where it's like, oh yeah, they're coming to the Nassau Coliseum, and yeah. the warlord has some uh, harsh words for Davy Boy Smith, and then we just listen to that, and then we could I could hit pause, and we could comment on it. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I think for the I think for the fiftieth episode, you should just get a supercut of as many event center promos as you can. And we'll just call it the Event Center Show. <laughs> I, I just want a three-hour compilation tape of Warlord promos, and we're, and we're just we're just gonna watch that. And you, Davy Boy, <laughs> will be no exception to that rule. <laughs> As always, I have to point out. Oh, Brett going for a pile driver. No backdrop by Barbarian. We get a half-assed. Is he going to keep his balance from the sunset flip? Brett didn't even look like he was pulling him down. Oh, oh, and he just put his crotch in his face. Brett getting a little nut hugger. Nuts and smell of his nut bag. Did he get him? No. Yeah, he did. Come on. That, uh, that had the feel of, like, we have to go to the finish because I'm hurt or something. Yeah. But I guess not. Lord Alfred Hayes, we learned quite a lesson here. The smaller, skilled superstar comes out on top over the massive and strong barbarian. And let's see what happens. See, I was hoping Mooney was going to lay one on us right there, but. <laughs> you know what's interesting is Brett is one half of the tag champions, and he actually got a victory in singles competition. Yeah. That never happens nowadays. Yeah, I know. Time for the second battle of the WWF Superstars trivia test. Now we've oh. enlisted some superstars. Well, let's, yeah, let's see how we do with this. Wrestling Federation. Okay. It is not going to be easy, but keep in mind if you get all the questions right, you'll be in line for a promotion. Okay. Yo, all you Coliseum video <laughs> Hulkamaniacs, I've got a trivia twister for all you Hulkamaniacs out there. I thought he said titty twister there for a second. <laughs> I got a trivia question for you, bro. To face the earthquake, what was the official symbol of all of you Hulkamaniacs? Wait, what? Go back. Oh, you don't, 
You didn't hear the whole thing? I, okay. I missed the question. I apologize. Fine for a promotion. All right. Yo, all you Coliseum video Hulkamaniacs. I've got a trivia twister for all you Hulkamaniacs out there. When I made my return to the WWF to face the earthquake, what was the official symbol of all of you Hulkamaniacs? <laughs> well, do you know? Do you know? No, I don't. <laughs> Is it like, well, I don't even understand what that means. Like, All right, well, we're going to have to find out symbol? here. Okay, this is like, what was the official symbol for the Hulkamaniacs during Hulk Hogan's return? Boy, are we bad wrestling podcasters for not knowing this. Yo, Hulkamaniacs, here's the official answer to the Coliseum Video Trivia Twister, man. The Hulk Rules Friendship Bracelet was the official symbol of all you Hulkamaniacs. The Maniacs were oh, pride okay. and inspired Hulk Hogan. Did you have one of those? I, I assume now. They didn't I have mean, any Haku that's, merchandise. That I did. Oh my God. Hold on. Time up. Pause what for a second. Pause for a second. Okay. Okay. That's not a symbol, Hulk Hogan. That, what official piece of merchandise did all you Hulkamaniacs wear? And then you could say, oh, that Hulk Hogan friendship bracelet that I still didn't own because I don't really care if Hulk Hogan was hurt or not because you know the less Hulk Hogan I see the better off I am um but that's the symbol I was like what Hogan and a like I I I almost thought it was gonna be like that Hogan you know how his name was like with the with the uh dumbbells and they had that I thought that was the symbol or or like a heart like Hulk Hogan heart or some nonsense (laughs) fucking Hogan can't even do what you know something brother the Hulk Hogan official symbol I'll tell you right now Vince is me (laughs) riding down the highway on my big Harley Davidson hog and Brutus Beefcake riding next to me and brother Brutai and I with Donald Trump attached to my back and me (laughs) backpedaling all the way up to Trump Plaza Hotel and Casino, brother, and where I'm going to knock down Ira the Giant and Earthquake. That's the symbol, bro. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So where did you pick up your cocaine, Terry? Uh, So the next next question is, what tag team was known as the Pink and Black Attack? Duh. Rhythm and Blues. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I, I like the countdown music. The Hart Foundation is the tag team known as the Pink and Black Attack. Now, here's one from Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hey, let's see how smart you humanoids are. I know the answer to this one. Let's see if you do. Why was the boss man on my case? Why was he so upset with Bobby the Brain (laughs) Heenan? Let's see if you know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I believe it was because you tried to sell Haku. Ooh, right? Wasn't that one it is? Or... No, sell uh, Hercules. It was because you tried to sell Hercules. Did you get it? Did you get it? No, you didn't get it. No, it was because he kept making fun of his mother. The reason the boss man is so upset with me is because I made some remarks about his lovely mother. Well, I apologize, and I'd like to apologize again to boss man and his lovely mother. Whoever she is. Whoever she is. He put his is. hand to his mouth again. Bobby sure did. Well, keeping within the realm of Bobby Heenan, what is the name of Mr. Perfect's finishing move? Gee, I wonder, that thing that he yells out, now you're going to see a perfect flex? I believe the answer is called a fisherman suplex. 
<laughs> a fisherman. <laughs> the perfect flex is Mr. Perfect's finishing. No, that's not what it's called. Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh. oh. A question for you Coliseum video fans. Uh, Snake Man. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Snake Man. Oh, Snake Man. Give me the question. Give me the question, Snake Man. Oh, I trust you, Snake Man. Trust <laughs> me, Snake Man. All right, let's see what Snake Man has to say. It's a painful one. But do you remember what caused me to lose my vision? Oh. I thought I was going to say, do you know what it was that caused me to lose my mind? I would have said I, Damien was squished by Earthquake. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure an eight ball of cocaine was involved. <laughs> Believe me, I remember. I remember all too well. It was a low-down trick by Rick the Model Martell and that arrogant spray. But you know something? I did get even with him at WrestleMania 7. Perfect score. The last one from Jake the Snake. All right. Well, that, that wasn't bad. That no, first that was question, a... The first question was just awkward, awkwardly worded. Yeah. Yes. Oh, boy. Jake Roberts versus Cotto from the Orlando Superstars taping February 1891 from the Piper Perfect match. So there's something that actually links these two guys. Um, Do you know what it is? Like, like Paul Diamond? Something that links Paul no, Diamond? They, the character Cotto and Jake Roberts in 1991. Oh. Yeah, Jake looks like El Diablo, and El yes. Diablo dresses up El Diablo. Isn't it Cotto's outfit? Yes. Or basically Cotto's outfit. And that's the October 19th, 1991 Superstars, which I also thought about having us watch this week, just because it's it's Sid getting attacked by that snake. And the Undertaker gets involved as well. Yeah, El Diablo. I always like that. Oh, it's the new character in the World Wrestling Federation, El Diablo. I thought it was Philip Glass. <laughs> yeah, he wishes. Thank you, Howard Pickle. Would underestimate his opponent for one second. After all, he is a student of the snake. And snakes never underestimate. What's that kid doing with his arm cheering Jake? Was he trying to do like the Arsenio Hall audience thing? I think so. Yes. Look at these tights that Jake's got on. It's got like a big cobra right on the right on his crotch, <laughs> with the hood wide open. So wow, did he did he turn into Rick Rude or something? He's just gonna put pictures of things on his junk. Sure. Well, this is a main event in any arena in America. I'll tell you right mm-hmm. now. Wow, poor poor Damien. He doesn't he doesn't know he's got less than two months to live. Very powerful. Oh, that's funny. The fact that they had to like make sure that they let the uh, you know the people know that that wasn't real. PETA or the ASPCA or whatever it was, they had to make sure they knew it wasn't real. So funny. Well, they. They moved Earthquake right quick into that tag team with Typhoon. Sure. Like, it was not yeah. long after. It was, like, less than six, six to seven weeks, something like that. Yeah. And they moved Jake real quick onto, I guess it was going to be on a Warrior, but they moved him real quick. Well, he was becoming a uh, personal trainer for the Ultimate Warrior. Yes. Mystic Man! 
Pat Tanaka hanging out at ringside. I like it. Kato, 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 Katow. Well, Mooney calls him Kato. I was hoping that Lord Al was going to say Kato. It's nice. To, it's refreshing to hear all Sean Mooney and Lord Al doing commentary for these, for these matches. Well, this is 1991. Much of the company doesn't give a shit about the Coliseum videos anymore. I don't know if you know, but if you <laughs> notice that Jake's wearing, he has a cobra on his crotch, and the hood is fully exposed. The hood is fully exposed. It's wonderful to see. Have you always had an interest in reptiles, Lord Al? Oh, well, it depends on what kind we're talking about. If it's a snake, I do enjoy a nice python every now and then. <laughs> Forever keeping a snake between your legs, huh, Lord Al? <laughs> uh, it, I've been told it's a python at times. I've also been told it's a cobra when my foreskin gets expanded. <laughs> okay, Lord. Well. <laughs> I can make. In fact, I oftentimes it's a it's a stunt I pull when I'm newly with a lady. Is I take my foreskin and I pull it out so it looks like a cobra's head. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful, and then I put it inside of her, and it's beautiful. <laughs> Lord Al, you you're forever with too much information uh, every single time. But thank you. I mean, oh, we love. It. I, we love it when you drop by. I, I, I learn I learn something new every week, and that's apparently that if you if you if you have enough skin on your dick, you can you can do a cobra effect. Yes, yes, but only only with your only when you're with a lady. You shouldn't do that when you're with a man. It's not as it's not as wonderful. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going to ask you about that, Lord Al, and the circumstances that they have uh, led you to develop that belief. Well, you know. <laughs> Interesting comments, nonetheless. Nonetheless, back to live action. <laughs> Excuse me. Maybe like that. First real good shot that. Boy. Well, I hope you enjoy this because we got two Jim Duggan matches coming up next. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Should we talk about? Let's see what other uh, interesting <laughs> scores scores happened yesterday in baseball. <laughs> I have I have barely followed spring training, so. Are you excited about Baltimore's upcoming season, though? To an extent, yeah. I mean, it's 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 going to be fine. I mean, my t- my team's not going to be very good, but I clearly have an understanding of of that. So. Mm. Who? Who had discs removed? Oh no, it was Jake. Remember, because they did the angle with uh, DiBiase and. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, Sean, be careful. It's discs removed. Well, no, don't, there was that famous blooper on SportsCenter where Patriots cornerback Maurice Hurst is sidelined with a bulging dick. <laughs> but it was supposed to be bulging disc. Yeah, it's a bulging dick. I mean, a bulging dick might sideline a guy in a, you know, certain situation. I oftentimes have a bulging dick. It's a... <laughs> Usually when I visit Paris, France, it's a bulging dick. <laughs> you, lo- you love Paris, Lord Al. Oh, I love As you Paris. mentioned on that world tour, yeah. I-, I love Paris in the springtime. I love Paris in the fall. <laughs> Boy, Kato's getting in a lot of offense here. Yeah, he sure is. Thank God. Oh, you wanted to see a competitive match? In a very, very compromising neck hold there. Do we have any history between Jake and Paul Diamond? Like, are there any other notable moments that they fought each other? I don't think they crossed paths many places. Although both of them had their haircuts at very had their haircut at various points of their career. Mm. So I guess they have that in common. They sure do. Jake's one in Mexico. He actually didn't look bad bald. Turns up in Smoky Mountain in 94 for a very brief period. Yeah. Yes, I saw that the other day. There was uh, Who was it that posted that promo of him in Smoky Mountain in 94? Might have, been, might have been Brad Stutz. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but it was good, though. It, it, yeah, it was, it was a pretty, pretty good one. That's not the Smoky Mountain show that I was alluding to on the on the Greens of Valentine the other day. I mean, the brute. Uh, you know what? I'll give it away right now. The fact that Bruiser Bedlam defeated Brady Savage clean in the yeah. center. I mean, maybe not clean, but you know, one, two, three. Yeah. Oh, here's Pat Tanaka with the interference. But Jake hitting a beautiful DDT on Kato. Yeah. Nice. Throwing some punches. Oh, now, now I'm I'm very excited because I'm hoping Jake will DDT Fuji to see if his hat stays on. Yes. That happened on the Saturday night's main event. Yeah. Years before. Oh, now Fuji's. Uh, for I just want to one time, I just wanted to see one of the heels. Jake pull out the snake and one of the heels just be like, yeah, big deal. Yeah. Disqualification. Jake the Snake Roberts. Seeing a bit of justice here. All right. Well, he runs back to the locker room, and now we got two dug- two dugout matches in a row. I hope you're happy. <laughs> Jake's got that snake in a vice grip. He's like, I ain't letting this snake thing go. Look at that snake. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, eat Jake. <laughs> yeah, don't fumble that. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, one proud individual. I would have relished in the opportunity to have commanded him. Wow, that's Right shoulder, arm. I could go on and on about this fine American. But right now, let's take an up-close and personal look. Why does Mooney look like one of the guys from, like, Hogan's Heroes? <laughs> I'm talking the Germans. I know nothing. <laughs> uh, Glenn Falls, New York. Yes. Uh-oh. Oh, 
Hey, oh, folks, old hacksaw Jim Duggan here, and I can't help but get a little teary-eyed when I think about it. It all started in a small little town in upstate New York on a cold winter's night when old Seesaw, as they used to call me, picked up my first piece of wood. Well, it's been a long road since then, and I want to welcome you he- to Hacksaw's Hall Other people picked up pieces of wood at a rest area. Exciting boards inside. Come on in and take a look. Ah! It's a hacksaw hall of fame. Well, folks, my first board is this board right here. <laughs> my old Cub Scout board. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God in my country to be square and obey the laws of the pack. Something important to remember. And this is something always good to have by your side. Now, board number two. This board here is a fancy dan autograph board by all the big movie stars in Hollywood. You got Woody from Cheers. You got James Wood, the dramatic actor. You got Frank Sinatra. He's chairman of the board. That's my autograph board. Now, board number three. Now, this board may look plain, but actually is one of the most important boards in Hacksaw Jim Duggan's collection. Because this board right here is the exact board Hulk Hogan gave me right before I took on Sarge's Slaughter. Let's take a look at that right now, tough guy. You know, usually when a wrestler from the 1980s takes you to a shed and promises that he's going to show you his wood, it doesn't turn out the way that this just did. No. And what I'd like to know is, you know, you can do a cameo with Hacksaw. I wonder if we can get him to do a cameo from his Hall of his Hacksaw Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was interesting that he opened up his own Hall of Fame for his props. I mean, that might be a sign that he doesn't he's not all there. <laughs> oh, that's what gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, the cross-eyed thing he can't help. No, that's right. You know, Shawn Michaels knows all about that nowadays. <laughs> uh, so here's kinda... Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter wearing the world belt here, isn't that something? Huh. I kind of wish he had kept the Warriors, I don't know, purple world belt like i think that would have been fucking, better are you fucking kidding me like <laughs> seriously you wanted this guy the iraqi sympathizer to be walking around with some fucking magenta world title come sure. on sure why come not on. yes here's sergeant slaughter this total hard ass but his fucking world belt is made out of lavender well listen i mean how, how you know who's to say that they were giving away just championships like that i mean the warrior had special belts made for him. I think the Intercontinental belt, that perfect one in the tournament, should have been that yellow Intercontinental belt. You know how they had, like, the Smoking Skull belt and other, cut, you know, the Spinner belt? Yes. Custom belts for various guys. What would the Sergeant Slaughter Iraqi Sympathizer world title look like? Like, if it's not just the plain winged eagle, if you were going to customize it, what would it look like? Would it have, like, a picture of Saddam Hussein in there, a la the stupid Moolah title? Yeah, I, I, I guess it would have to. Maybe, you know, maybe you put like a, a map of Iraq and a map of Kuwait and then you kind of just you, you show like with the borders moved. So it's it's kind of like a Keem's the back of a Keem's shirt where it's Africa, but it's all like bent crooked. So you have it's... like the you have Iraq, but the borders exposed and only, you know, eagle eye fans would recognize that the Iraq border now and now consumes all of Kuwait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's 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 a hell of an idea. Yes. Maybe instead of the wing, maybe instead of like the wings at the top, it's the hooks like his boots that he got, like the Colonel Mustafa boots. <laughs> maybe I don't know. 
We could go yeah. on for days. Oh, yeah. This is March fifteenth, 1991 at MSG, by the way. Oh, oh look, look at that. Hogan wearing the camouflage, which I actually thought was a pretty good look for him at the time. Yes. It kind of, it kind of refreshed him a little bit, and then he went right back to what he was at the end of 91, but I think it was all the steroid Arsenio Hall show stuff that was kind of... So yeah, Hogan, Hogan and Duggan's friendship doesn't play out on camera much other than this period in early 91. Hey, Pete, guess what? What? Bacon's being made. Oh. <laughs> that That has become our version of Shawn Michaels has left the building. Bacon has entered the building. Bacon entered the building. You know, what I was going to say is there's that cover of the WWF magazine from 91 uh, where it's the Hogan and Warrior on it. I think it's the – and there's Hogan's wearing the, the camo. And I love that. I love that cover. It's just an awesome cover. It's it's the one from probably I would say it came out in it probably came out in August or like late July or whatever when they released it. It's the one for SummerSlam. But I yeah. love that picture of Hogan with the camo. I don't know. So, so talking about his USO tour that he went on. Pretty sure Hogan must have been on this card at some point. Yeah, I don't know who he would have faced though. Oh, uh, probably would have been Earthquake at a stretcher match or something. Yeah, I, you know what? You got to give Hogan credit for back in then, back in the day, doing the USO, all the Make a Wishes and things. He no, really was like, <laughs> no, I, really, you don't want to give him yeah. credit. No, I mean, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, no, he's a piece of shit, but you know. But at least he was. At least he. At least he played the part well. He looked. He looked the part so well. That's the one thing is if you go back and look at like the covers of the WWF magazines, Hogan's covers always were like a. It was almost like you know whenever they would put somebody like I don't know the Stones or somebody on like the cover of Rolling Stone and they would take like the extra time to make the cover look awesome. Mm-hmm. Hogan's covers were always awesome. The one, the one in April of '91, where he's got the where he's, where he's got the flag, he's holding the American flag. Like that freaking picture is so awesome. You know what wouldn't is speaking of speaking of like fashion of the time period, and the way people look. Uh, I know we we've done a few projects like the best of the WWF series, and then we did the the two weeks of the June 9th, '97. Maybe we should watch every primetime wrestling from 1991 with the studio audience. <laughs> Because there's a lot about... of interesting interesting fashions going on. <laughs> I was going to say, just to talk about Vince <laughs> and his Zubaz suits. Yeah, but Vince gave up on that show after like 12 weeks. Yes. So we didn't get a lot of time with him in his crazy outfits. There's the one episode where it was Gorilla and Heenan, as it should mm. be. Then there's the one Gene Oakland one, and then it was Sean Mooney from... You know, for the last part of it. Yeah, and then... And that way they the... could blame Mooney for the show failing. Right. And then they went to the panel of experts. Mm-hmm. What, I don't, which I, which what I didn't like as much. That? No, but it did give us that awesome uh, November of 1991 episode, right, Pete? Uh, 1992. <laughs> God. I'm sorry I screwed that up. Look, Jimmy, I'm sorry. Jimmy, I'm sorry. <laughs> What did I tell you? What did I tell you? 
What did I tell you? What did I tell you? <laughs> Get it out of there. This this guy over here, one guy buys a mink coat, the other one buys a Cadillac. What did I tell you? <laughs> Best part of that whole scene, he still hadn't paid Maury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, wh- why pay him when you could just whack him, right? <laughs> That's the he whacked everybody. He started yeah. killing everyone. The only people he didn't kill was friggin' was uh, <laughs> was Tommy and Henry. 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 He didn't kill Polly. No, he, well, well that would have been a big mistake. <laughs> that would have been a big. That would have been a huge mistake. That's my Jimmy's friend Henry. Good, Jimmy, Jim, Jimmy's a good earner. <laughs> my friend Henry, it's his drink. <laughs> they take too many chances. They're wild. Oh my god! I, I, I'm, I, I had to pull over in my car. It's like that's a classic. Like everybody on the Howard Stern Reddit page goofs about saying he had to pull over because you were laughing so hard. I literally had to pull over because I was laughing when you were doing the Memphis show. <laughs> you brought out the freaking. You got the natural. I don't try shoes. <laughs> I lost my fucking well, mind in my car. I went. Co- I heard. Well, wait, hold on. I heard. Now, I just want to say for the record, you. I I think you mentioned something about tying in Goodfellas to the Memphis show, but I didn't know what it was. And then I hear Coco Beware say. I don't shine shoes, and I, I knew it was coming, and I prepared <laughs> myself for it, and I still had to stop my car because I was like, fucking Pete, you played the whole goddamn thing, and then you went back to Coco, and then you come back to pick up my body, and I fucking lost my mind. <laughs> I could I, I, All I can think of now is Jimmy, Jimmy Hart as Billy Bats. Like, say all of the Billy Bats parts in yeah. Jimmy Hart's voice, where, like, salut, baby! <laughs> I went over there. I go away for a couple years and come back and get fucking fresh. Now go get your fucking shine box, go baby. Get your fucking shine box, baby. <laughs> I, I lost my mind. I was like, get the hell out of here. He found a fucking clip where somebody actually says, I don't shine shoes. Well, Keithy, I'm, ve- I'm very concerned. I don't want you to get into a car accident because you. That's- that that North Carolina money is non-refundable. Uh, I just want to well, announce that publicly that, right now. Yes. Okay. Well, that's why I pulled over to the side of the road. I was a safe driver. I didn't want to. I didn't want to ruin my Allstate safe driver discount. I pulled over to the side of the road. Not not to make this the hyper local reference of the week, but have you driven around enough to to see that they have changed the exit numbers here in Massachusetts recently? Uh, I I. I've driven around enough. I have noticed it, but I will say my brother pointed out that it was a waste of money <laughs> to chase all the signage. To, to, an ex, to, an ex, to an extent, maybe, but it's better better man, managed on a mileage basis where people actually think about where they are on the road and you can locate uh, them. Is that the that's the rationale behind it? Yeah, this was actually one of the first heated arguments I had with uh, with my now wife that we had was debating which one is uh, which system is better. I came down on the side of uh, exits should reflect the mileage marker. Okay. As somebody who has driven across the state of Colorado, it it is nice to you know get that you know going in sequence with the mileage when it's you know four hundred fifty miles across the state. Hmm. 
if you if you're driving west, you get the the nice countdown from like four fifty to one. You know. I was gonna say, so that's really like it, you're you're literally the last exit is exit four fifty, huh? If it's four hundred and fifty miles wide, yeah. Well, yeah, and then it starts off at like one in the next state. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, all right, I get that. Then that's fine. I, when you so, said you were debate what what system you preferred, I thought you were gonna say imperial versus metric, and I was like, oh, now this is a debate I can definitely get ahead on. You know. No, I hate those stupid signs when you get close to Canada where they put the kilometers in there. It's like, look, we we already fought a war to keep the metric system out of here. <laughs> we're not fighting another one. Actually, what happened was the U.S. the United States adopts the metric system officially in 1975, and everybody just fucking ignored it. <laughs> sure. It was one of the great moments in American history. And now you know the rest, the rest of the story. story. Slaughter hits the ring post as well, but he didn't go flying over the top. Instead, he's out of it in the middle. This match hasn't been completely terrible. No, it hasn't been completely terrible. It's just I just can't find anybody that was credibly thinking that Duggan was going to beat Slaughter. Slaughter Slaughter is playing his way into shape. (laughs) I mean, could you imagine like a one or two week run of Duggan as the world champ at this point? No. Like Slaughter beats Warrior, fights that was it Saturday night's main event or main event that he fought Duggan? It was the main event, February of ninety one. Yeah. And he loses to Duggan and then Duggan has a run for like a week like imagine that teasing the main event at WrestleMania being Duggan versus Hogan <laughs> for the world title and then just have Slaughter come back and win it. That would have what been are great, you try- What are you trying to do to my brain? Seriously. Please. Duggan versus Hogan. Duggan versus Hogan was the plan if they needed to fill the L.A. Coliseum. <laughs> Duggan, was, Duggan versus Hogan was the plan if Slaughter wasn't ready to go. <laughs> Just like if Slaughter. Hogan. Yeah, if, if Slaughter hadn't played his way into shape yet. As I said, Sergeant Slaughter, the Rashid Wallace of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> Fucking fucking Sheed, uh, huffing and puffing up and down the court in Game Seven against the Lakers. Oh God. Oh boy. Sorry, I, I said I'm not a huge basketball guy. I mean, I'm more of like a '70s and '80s NBA that, that, that yeah. I love, and even into the '90s. But I'm not gonna get over the, the how the Celtics lost that game because they couldn't grab a freaking rebound. Mm. Drives me nuts. I love that move, slow. Would do where he would just he would basically do a one footed coup de gras off the top rope. <laughs> Not bad. Slaughter's hair is a little weird here. It's like always he's got like these little puffs on the top of his head. Uh-oh. Oh, he just put the boots to Hogan. And by the way, they are not the Saddam Hussein boots yet. No, he got rid of those so fast. He only wore them for that one match against the Warrior. We didn't want to scuff him. <laughs> I, I guess not. I guess he had to borrow him from yeah. Colonel Mustafa. Well, look at that cheater, Hogan. Pull, push Slaughter off the top what a rope. Surprise. What a fucking surprise. Hulk Hogan in a match that he's not wrestling, making it all about himself. And he kind of hid underneath the apron, a la WrestleMania 4, when he hit DiBiase yeah. with the chair. I guess this didn't work. Oh, did Slaughter just spit at him? Yes. 
Well, that's the ultimate insult. You don't spit well, Hogan, at Hogan. Hogan's not wearing his mask. No. What does he expect? Now he's got COVID. Uh, General COVID. I mean, oh. Adnan. There. There's a uh, Sheik Al and KC in the Sunshine Band, right? <laughs> Shake your booty, Adnan. <laughs> This is Howard Finkel holding the Yeah, MSG, there's just not enough room at ringside. Is that Gorilla? There, there's, there's Gorilla, but we're not using him for college Bobby, video. It's Bobby yeah. Gorilla. Where's Lord Alfred Hayes? <laughs> Electric corner out the holster's throat. All this taking place right in front of us. Come on. Come on, Mooney. Stop fucking insulting my intelligence. We see Monsoon and Heenan there. Because uh, I was in. The monsoon is between myself and him, and you are a little bit further away, so I guess we're lucky to stay on that one. Not as lucky as the Hulkster, though. Nice thinking on his feet by Lord Al. <laughs> it would it would have been awesome if he just said, Moody, you're full of shit right here. We're in a fucking studio in Connecticut. Ooh, bacon! <laughs> oh, it's already been said. I said, I smell bacon. Oh, bacon, everybody. Delicious bacon. <laughs> oh, his Duggan's in the Campbell clutch. But he's not flexible enough to do, like, the full stretch out. Uh, oh, and Hogan. Now, see, this is perfect. Hogan just hitting Slaughter with the 2 by 4 And now this is where you have Duggan pin Slaughter, win the title for a couple of weeks. You tease on Saturday superstars that... The main event's going to be Hogan versus Duggan for the belt. Sell a ton of tickets. <laughs> Just to... There's Vladimir. Um, there, this is March 15th. WrestleMania is on the 24th. There's only nine days. You could have done a nine-day run with Duggan. Or All right, so you're going you're gonna to do a, a, a Duggan-Trojan horse thing where... You, you put the belt on Duggan to sell the tickets for Hogan Duggan, and then you're going to have Duggan lose at the slaughter somehow right beforehand so you can do the Hogan slaughter thing that you wanted? Yes, the night before. And Duggan could go to his role as announcer for the Rockers versus the Faces of Fear match. You don't think that this has been done before in the history of professional wrestling? Probably has. General Adnan a little late there. Just runs into the ring and kicks Duggan, and we have our DQ. But it's just as well. Oh. Oh. He just threw cocaine oh. in Hogan's face. <laughs> oh, no. Somebody threw cocaine at me, and it went all up my nose and stuff. <laughs> Has anybody ever used that as their, uh, if they got busted? I mean, back in the day when you could watch, uh, what was that cop show that they canceled? Not cops. The one that they, um, Live PD. Back yeah. on Live PD, you'd always have one guy who would have, like, heroin in his pants, and the police would be searching, and he'd go, these aren't my pants. <laughs> <laughs> who is wearing other people's pants? At, no, okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring that up. Sorry. <laughs> the time you wore somebody else's pants, I, I won't bring that up. Oh, you won't talk, you don't want talk about the time I, I wore somebody else's pants. Let's not get into that today. Yes. 
No, nobody wants to hear that story. It, 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 it was not my pants, just for the record, people whose imaginations are going wild. Look at look at it Jack Lotz. Look at Jack Lotz try to put a stop to this. What's he gonna do? Oh, he took a bump. Jack Lotz took a bump by Adnan. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yeah, we're gonna get like a judo chop from Austin Powers. <laughs> oh, fantastic work. Now this is when they should be playing this sad version of when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Uh, boom. <laughs> How is he going to defeat Sergeant Slaughter in nine days? <laughs> yeah. Well, Slaughter, Slaughter is keeping at it here. He's going to dive over the officials. Slaughter trying to get back in there. Going up to the top rope. He's going to suicide dive. What a man Jack Lotz is. He, he got up and he's helping again. The only thing we're missing here, Dick Whirly. Yeah. Well, he was persona non grata in the company, I guess, at this point. Here's an official word. Yeah. I would say that that is a very bittersweet announcement. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Look, I don't mean to shit on Sean Mooney. It's just he just happens to be the guy that's there. Yeah. I would say that that is a uh, uh, Pyrrhic victory. Pyrrhic? 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 Pyrrhic victory, I think. Pyrrhic victory, yeah. Stupid Adnan forgot to grab the belt on the way out. That's so, yeah, what we're all here for, folks. That's the it's right there. I wish I could get a screen cap of General Adnan holding up the title by himself. That would have been the swerve of all time. I mean, can we just ponder Adnan here and how in 80, 89 and 90, the years preceding this, he's working in, like, the dying AWA which is basically like the wrestling promotion version of Tom Hanks at the end of Philadelphia. And now he's fucking working main event program for WrestleMania oh and SummerSlam with Hogan. Oh, my God. The, the end of Philadelphia. The AWA is in the hospital room with the patch over his eye and the lesions and, on his chest. And Antonio Banderas is there to comfort Vern. <laughs> Antonio Banderas is, is Larry Zabisco. <laughs> How do you think you contracted AIDS? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was in Bruno's backyard. <laughs> oh, we get a lengthy post-match thing going here. We sure covered a lot in this match. <laughs> yes. Well, you thought you had enough Jim Duggan? Oh, no. That's we Folks, we got more coming up next. Never. Jim Duggan versus Demolition Smash from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a challenge taping on April sixteenth, nineteen ninety one. Now this is a match everybody should get behind. <laughs> I mean, demolition. We're talking Demolition Smash after WrestleMania seven. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
Like that that period of time for for demolition as a team was like Tom Hanks. And, all right, I already used that one. <laughs> was like Tom Hanks and Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> this is going to compare all of these to Tom Hanks. Oh, oh, we're back at the Hacksaw Hall of Fame. That I pick out the lumber liquidators. This is my special lumber pile. Made out of USA timber from the great northwest. And I think this piece will do just great. Now I have to have it to my special specification. What's that? I said dang Portland reference. Oh, yes. Already been treated with a special recipe, but nobody hacksaw Jim Duggan knows. Now let's go chop some wood. What a! What a! Hey, hey, what a! Are you down there? What a! Hey, hey, where's Woody? Woody! Hey. Wow. Are they filming Toy Story here or something? Has anyone seen Woody? Hey, hey Woody. I haven't seen you in a dog How day. you doing? Good to Ter- see you. Terrific. This is Woody. He owns Woody's Lumberyard here, and he's the only one I let cut my USA Woody's Lumberyard. Lumber Come on. That's too convenient. It feels good. Nice, clean cut. Sounds good. Now let's check for aerodynamics. Oh! Is he going to drop it? You got it, tough guy. Oh, demolition. Other demolition music. Making his way with his manager, Mr. Fuji. Weighing in at 280 pounds. Here is... Here comes the smash, and here comes the smasher. One member of demolition. His career is a disaster. (laughs) Well, I'm just glad that demolition and Fuji got over their issues that came to a head at the 88 Survivor Series. Yeah. Thank God. Proudly waving the red, white, and blue. Oh, better represents America here in the WWF than Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So did Mooney just say that? What? What? He just said nobody represents America like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Like, so is he is he putting Duggan over Hogan? I guess he is. Yeah, I mean, I would think that Duggan is far more of a superior patriot than Hogan. If we're going by just patriotic, you know, ways, you know? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, well, Hogan pa- patriotism really become... can be defined a lot of different ways. <laughs> this is true. We know this. But I would say that Hogan didn't become the uber patriot until, I mean, he was always the real American, but he didn't become the uber patriot until Slaughter showed up. You know, it wasn't like Hogan was wrestling in flag matches against Earthquake. <laughs> Hogan flag match versus Dino Bravo, where he wins with the big boot because Bravo can't take the light drop for some for some reason. Yeah, but yeah, it's, uh, that would have been a perfect series of matches because he wouldn't have had to lose. He would have just had to have the flag wave. And he comes down, not the Canadian flag, but the, the Quebec flag. 
Well, I firmly believe that Duggan was not on the WrestleMania 7 card by design because they didn't want to have a dude come out with an American flag for his match before Hogan came out with his American flag. Yeah. Even though having Duggan do that opening bit where he dressed as Uncle Sam probably put more emphasis on Duggan than if he had a match against, like, the Mountie or Dino Bravo or some bullshit, you know. But if yeah, Duggan true. had a match against if Duggan had a match against Dino Bravo, we wouldn't have had that Matt Classic of Dino Bravo in the tornado. <laughs> I mean, they brought Duggan in for that first match because it was his area of expertise. It was a match involving Haku. That's also your area of expertise as well. So you and Duggan have a lot to discuss. <laughs> Can we live in a world where <laughs> Demolition Smash never became Repo Man? It <laughs> just kept sure. up his gimmick as Demolition Smash. I think I think we should have made Crush into Repo Man, and we should have made Barry Darso Kona uh, Kona Smash. <laughs> it actually made more sense because he could have said, "I smash coconuts." Like I moved to Hawaii. I moved to Hawaii because I wanted to play more golf. <laughs> and then he could become hole-in-one Darcel later. Uh, th- it writes itself, man. This writes itself. <laughs> you know, one of these times, we've got to watch a WCW Saturday night with one of the hole-in-one no. challenges. No. No. Really? No. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Are you kidding me? But I'll watch had... anything. I was going to say, you had so much fun watching that Thunder from 2000. Yes. <laughs> You know what we should do? All right. We should take a journey. Instead of the instead of the journey of the of the uh, primetime wrestling audience members outfits or the superstars of wrestling uh, uh, event centers, we should go down a Barry Darso road. We should watch some Crusher Khrushchev shows, a show with Crusher Khrushchev, then a show with Demolition Proper, him and Axe. Then we should watch a Repo Man show. Then we should watch a Blacktop Bully, and then we should watch Hole in One Darso. <laughs> uh, so wait, can we start in Mid South when he's just Barry Darso and he's like a quiet, unassuming guy wearing a plaid? At, book it, add it, add it to the table. I mean, yeah. this is kind of—it's kind of like your Terry Funk trip, your trip down Funk Lane. This is the trip down the Bars, the Darso, the Barry Darso journey. We should do that. I'm on board. <laughs> oh my god so 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 you're suggesting that this podcast take time out for about 10 weeks and just do a Barry Darso tribute through the spring um I don't know if anybody would disagree <laughs> most of all Barry Darso <laughs> well these are questions that needed to be thrown out there and uh it is a discussion that, that we can have for sure. Can you can you do a Twitter poll and ask if people want a Barry Darso tribute, a Pro Wrestling Illustrated tribute, or a Event Center tribute, and see who wins, and then we'll do that. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I think. <laughs> I think what? We're missing, I think we're missing out on some quality some quality stuff, don't you think? I think so. No I'm talking. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> we yeah we got to we got to cool it with the bad ideas for the podcast. A twelve week Barry Darso tribute. 
a 12-week Barry Darso retrospective. I will remember you. You know, I'm going to feel like real shit. If, if Barry Darso, for some reason, passes away this week, I'm going to feel like shit. Weeks. If Barry Darso dies in the next 12 weeks, we're going to feel right. terrible. Oh, okay. If, if if Darso dies in the next month, we'll 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 do that. Okay. And obvi- obviously, I don't I don't want him to pass away. I wish <laughs> oh, him nothing I don't want but Barry Darso. No, absolutely not. Nope. That's twice today that I've accidentally hit pause when I didn't mean to. Good rights. Look at all the people conveniently with Hulk Hogan shirts in the front row like it's a 95 WCW show. Seems to me like something might have happened on this show. Hmm. Hmm. Well, let me let me look up that tape. It was actually a challenge taping, so Hogan was probably nowhere to be found. I don't do the challenge tapings, brother. I'm not so out of brother. Uh-oh. No. Uh-oh, we got a three-point stance. from behind. And his ploy backfires. All right, so Duggan wins clean. Barry Darso rolls out of the rolls out of the ring like he's axe at the '90 Survivor Series. Cost him this battle. It cost him dearly because Hacksaw, Jim No, Hogan was Hogan was in the building. He faced Slaughter in a dark match. Ah. Where are we? Here it is. Now I know where we are. We're ready for a match involving a superstar who also happens to be the host of Coliseum Video's next release, WrestleFest 91. He's the macho man, Randy Savage. Let's take a look at an encounter that features the World Wrestling Federation champion at the time, the Ultimate Warrior, Ooh. as he defends the belt against the Macho Man. Uh oh. Yeah, you're very, you're, you're very excited for this one from Fort Wayne, King. Indiana. Yeah. Oh yes. Fort what Mel Phillips? Yeah, I get excited when I see Mel Phillips. Yeah. Bad man, fucked up dream team introduction. This was a wrestling challenge taping, but also the famous Saturday Night's main event taping where the Rockers beat the Heart Foundation, but then it was disregarded. So he doesn't have the crown anymore. He's got, like, the cowboy hat. Is this where, uh, is that Saturday Night's main event where, is that where Warrior fights DiBiase? Uh, No, that would be after Thanksgiving. Because I remember them promoting it on the '90s Survivor Series. No, no, no. What's the What's the match where he fights and then Savage does the run in at the end? November 1990. Oh, okay. Savage is wearing this outfit. <laughs> hmm. Maybe that was this. Maybe that was this taping. I don't know. I don't know why I'm blanking on this sort of stuff. I used to know it. But of course, I'm going to forget it all once once I have to go to Peacock and figure out where all that shit is. Yeah, you're not going to want to Peacock anymore. I can only assume this is going to be the greatest Warrior Savage match ever. The Ultimate Warrior does not even wait for the announcements. 
Uh, I have a bad feeling about this, don't I? Yes, I, I uh, think your bad your bad feeling might be confirmed. Ah, uh, come on! Out of the ring. Come on! Well, Sherry looks good. What an exclusive matchup we have here for Coliseum Home Video. Exclusive matchup. Does Warrior have any face paint on? Does, does he have the heart on the? I don't, think oh, no. I don't think he has anything on. Did you say heart on or hard on? <laughs> well, both. <laughs> o- only when he's looking at Sherry. No, listen, listen. Warrior is not Mr. Perfect. He didn't have a perma heart on every time he wrestled. <laughs> he should have had Mr. Perfect be the Viagra spokesman. The guy was hard all the time. <laughs> the, cr- the crowd is not exactly uh, into this. No, no. It's been devastating so far in this encounter. All the way up goes the Macho King as he is military pressed by the Ultimate Warrior. Then savagely drops to the canvas. There's the spot, throws him over. And yeah, that's That's the match right there. That's disappointing. That pisses me off. This was 91 seconds. That Sa- Savage did not get in one bit of offense. So I, I don't know what one the story iota. was behind all that, but no. he didn't get in one iota of offense. Yeah. Lord Al suggested there might have been something wrong with him. I'm like, well, yeah. If you're wa- if you're watching this live, I mean, you probably got you know. Be weirded out by the fact that it lasted a minute and a half. Randy Savage got beat and it didn't get in one shred of offense. That sucks. But it was a selfless act by the Macho Man. You know why? Or Macho King. And you know why? Because his best friend in the whole wide world, Ted DiBiase, is up next. And he wanted to give more time for his match versus Tugboat. As he should. This is January 29th, 1991. Savannah, Georgia, wrestling challenge taping, and this is the brief period where DiBiase had dumped Virgil but doesn't have Sherry yet, so he's walking to the ring by himself. That did not happen yeah. very often in the WWF. Yes. Yeah, he quickly went on. He quickly went from Virgil to well, then he went to uh, well, Sherry, you know, to Hart. Bit, then to Sherry, then to Jimmy Hart, then to himself a manager. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Because he sucked. Oh, tugboat theme coming. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and his opponent ah. his way toward the ring. Well, guaranteed it is not money that brings the most pleasure to the sailing superstar, Tugboats. <laughs> the sailing superstar. Oh, there it is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna start talking crazy and say that like tugboat's theme is my fourth favite theme in WWE history, but it's definitely in my top ten. It's in my top thirty-five. I mean, I like to be conservative about it. It's not my fourth favorite, but it's probably my like ninth favorite. <laughs> I'd like to see the full power ranking someday. <laughs> If I ha- maybe I will. Maybe I'll go through and I'll rank my 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 entrance theme musics. 
But you got to understand, it's going to be of all time, and it's going to include WCW as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad we're getting this Money, Inc. versus the Natural Disasters preview. Tugboat has some of the most impressive front ass I've ever seen. That's Uncle Fred. I know. Oh, boy. What, a, what an outfit. He's wearing a belt. He is a devastating wrestler. Impressing me and everybody else here. DiBiase using using one of his timeouts. I think it's a 20-second timeout. As Raw rolls on. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Is, is Tugboat going to hit a uh, somersault suicide dive to the floor as Raw rolls on? He's going to go through the top and middle rope. <laughs> you know, Tugboat sucks because he didn't do top rope ranas. Like, yeah, that's no, there's plenty of other things you can call him out for. <laughs> Top rope, Ronis. <laughs> a, man with that, saying, a, a man with that man kind with of that front kind ass of... can't do that. I, I was going to say carriage, and then you went with front ass. That is an incredible front ass. I mean, that is a full-on fupa. <laughs> and if you don't know what fupa stands for, I can tell you, Pete. Oh, what does it stand for? Because I, well, I don't know what it means. It stands for fat upper pubic area, but a lot of people talk, call it a fat upper pussy area. But, oh. You know, I don't believe Tugboat has a pussy. He might now. It's possible he went through transgender surgery. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not up to date on Fred Ottman, but it's possible. But it was a pubic area at this point. Tugboat is the eunuch of the WWF. <laughs> One of the eunuchs. One of the favorites here in the WWF. <laughs> Tugboat the eunuch. Yeah, this guy was going to be the champion going into WrestleMania 7. Sure. Whatever you say there. Whatever you say, Bruce Pritchard. Even if you did Sheik Tugboat, the whole thing would have been a total ripoff of Sheik Jerry Blackwell. And Jerry Blackwell is much better than Fred Ottman. <laughs> That's your boy, Jerry just, Blackwell. I know. I just—I'll be honest with you. I just—I would have plotted if I had seen Cheat Tugboat <laughs> beat the Warrior and win the title. Plots. Plots. <laughs> yeah, I—I I mean, he didn't have it. I don't like the—I don't—I don't like it, the quality of his belt either that he has on the white pants. No. Like, if you're going to go for a big man with, like, a comic gimmick... Well, he wasn't really comedy. He was more of just, like, I guess, a circus gimmick. I would have rather them have Sheik Akeem and have Akeem beat the Warrior and win the title. Well, they would have had to drag him back because he just left. But Now, that, I think, would have sold that idea. Out. That would have sold out the L.A. Coliseum. Yeah, the one-man gang just travels the world in search of a gimmick. He stops in Africa, goes to the Middle East. Yeah. Maybe maybe he could have taken the Yoshi Kwan gimmick in WCW. Sure. Later on, he could have become East Asian. Could have gone down to Australia. He could have been Outback Jack. Sure. Then gone to New Zealand, become an honorary bushwhacker. And then end yep. up in Tonga, where he forms a team with Haku, the one true king. And they have a three-year run with the tag titles. Could his 
name have been Prince Akeem of Zamunda? <laughs> yes. And you know, then, I, still, I still haven't watched Coming to America yet. Have you? Um, I did. Uh, it was a thing that happened. Okay. Is Louis Anderson in it? <laughs> yes. Is he is he up to lettuce? I don't want to spoil up to, up it. Okay, okay, don't spoil it. Don't spoil I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. But I will tell you that, uh, let me just say this. Uh, you know how you had predicted my expectations of that Savage Warrior match? Mm-hmm. I'll predict your expectations the same of the Coming to America too. <laughs> the whole movie? It was entertaining. It was an entertaining okay. movie. It's, it, yeah, it, it was a movie that did not need to be made. I, I don't know why they were thinking it needed to be made, but, you know. Well, you know, you're not getting 1986 Eddie Murphy anymore. I mean, no, something that you have to come to grips with. You hear that? You hear that, Hogan? you hear that, Hogan? If you want to have an in-ring moment at this WrestleMania, you know, let's 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 shelve that right quick, please. Yeah, what the hell is he going to do? He's going to come out and just... You know, he's going to do a gag about being at the Superdome or the Silver Dome because he's going to do some stupid gag. Like, he'll probably say, like, oh, here we are in Miami, brother. It's nice like, to be know. here at the Orange Bowl in Tampa. Right. The only thing that would work is if he comes out and he starts plugging his restaurant there. <laughs> oh, over in Clearwater? Isn't that yeah. in Tampa? Oh, Clearwater, yeah. yeah. I mean, what's, what's he going to do? Like, ugh. Oh, is this the way that they won? Oh, it was, well, no, it was against Earthquake that they won the belts that way. That was a stunning thing, the fact that, like, Earthquake lost clean via the Million Dollar Dream on, like, a a wrestling challenge, too. The only thing that was stupid about it is fucking Tugboat Stan stood there in the corner like a dumbass. Wow. His, His partner's getting his ass beat, and he's just standing there like a dickhead. If he had tried to get into the ring, he probably would have tripped and fell. (laughs) And we had a SC Jones memorial charge by Tuggers. DBS, he gets out of the way and then rolls him up. So we got one match to go here coming up next. And this is... We got Slick's crew of Power and Glory and the Warlord taking on the Legion of Doom and the British Bulldog. From Chattanooga, Tennessee, challenge taping January 8th, 1991, but it aired on Primetime Wrestling on February 4th, 1991. Oh! Yeah. And GFA Live is going to GFA no longer alive because four out of the six participants are dead. Oh, okay. So how are we going to do the Survivor Series here? Paul Roma and the War. Yeah, Paul Roma and the Warlord are the. Soul survivors. It's like, yep. but then, then again, they had good surviving experience around this time because they were members of the Visionaries, which survived as a team. <laughs> yes, this is true. Power and Glory didn't have any music, which I no. think may have helped them. Like, they stopped playing Jive Soul Bro at a certain point. Warlord didn't have any music either. Warlord walking out to. I, I enjoy at the 90s Survivor Series, the Warlord walking out to Rick Martel's music. Yes. That is one of my favorite things. Dudes walking out to other dudes' music. Like Tully, like Tully Blanchard coming out to the demolition theme at Survivor Series 88. Yeah. Especially guys that his 
historically never had music. Yeah. You know, because it's one thing if, you know, the Har Foundation's coming out to Dusty's theme, that's okay. But if you had no music, that's always funny. Bad News Brown coming out to the Honky Talk Man's theme at yes. 88. Or how about like when Andre is the team captain, but he doesn't have any music, so he's coming out to somebody else's music. Yeah, Dino Bravo's music, so he's coming out to his own country's national anthem. <laughs> but he's the team captain. <laughs> so like yeah. they should, that should have been a prerequisite of being a team captain is you have to have team music. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a requirement of being in the Survivor Series. Oh, just the team captain of the Survivor Series. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm so happy that we're watching a wrestling match that has the British Bulldog and the Warlord in it. <laughs> it just feels right. <laughs> and you, Davy boy. That's how I'm going to spend my entire summer, just watching Davy boy Warlord matches. When I get done with that three-hour Warlord promo compilation tape. I mean, if you were somehow able to watch the entire run of Warlord and Davy Boy, you could watch. That would take up an entire year. They wrestled each other for like two years. That would be good. A compilation of 1991 Bulldog shows. and Warlord. and include their squash matches. That way you get their inset promos on each other. And then between the matches, you can run event centers. I think I just came up with a great idea for a commercial tape, WWE. That's another, that's another option for our retrospective. So we yes. have four options now. So, oh, well, hold, hold the phone, hold the phone here. You're going to ask me to edit together all that shit. Come on. That would take me like <laughs> 19 days. Every every Davy Boy Smith and every Warlord squash from 1991, from the beginning of the year right through this uh, Tuesday in Texas. It, the, the, the tape would culminate with the Tuesday in Texas match, which ends with Davy Boy going over via a crucifix. Uh, God. <laughs> because uh, while I may be this muscle-bound 275-pound guy, I'm going to incorporate nothing but junior heavyweight offense. Hold on. Hold uh, on. <laughs> hold on. I believe he called him Horlord. Horlord. Just because you're from Britain doesn't mean you have to be uh, Nelson Royal. Yeah. Anyway, not all not all the jokes are going to land. That landed. <laughs> Look at Paul Roma. This guy's a horseman in like less than less than two years. No, he's not. <laughs> Paul Roma as horseman deniers. It's so it's mm. so annoying. Come on, listen, right to the, with, listen to the science. <laughs> they're right up there with flat earthers. <laughs> yes. Or like half the NXT locker room. Yes. I don't know how much you followed uh, how the NXT locker room is basically filled with complete maniacs. Oh, sure. Of, of like QAnon jackasses. And like, sure enough, they have an outbreak. I can't believe it. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Do you expect anything less from wrestlers? I mean, you know, we're not talking about... <laughs> You know, a lot of people that are Harvard trained. They need to go back to the way wrestlers were in the 1980s, where they were well-behaved and clean. Yes. <laughs> well, Warlord versus Animal. Now, I'm sure Animal hasn't forgotten about the angle in 88 NWA, where the powers of pain dropped the weight on his face, and he broke his orbital bone. You think? Yeah. Hey, uh, you know me. I'm such a fan of... Uh, 
it, it, we must cross cross promotions with the feuds. Interpromotional feuds. Well, I know what upsets you when you see guys feuding in one organization and then they immediately become friends in another one. I know that upsets you. Well, I know that Jake and Rick Rude had a alliance in 92 WCW, but I, I see that as, well, enough time had passed and they mm-hmm. had a begrudging respect for each other. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Jake should have... I felt like Jake still harbored some resentment. Only because Jake never had the body that Rick Rude had. And I don't it was think he was ever concerned was, with that. <laughs> oh, I think he was. I beg to differ. I think I think Jake wanted to win the Jesse the Body Award. Oh. He wasn't even nominated. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure just to be nominated. He was the winner of the Keith Richards Drug Award. Um... <laughs> It, was it on the air last week that I suggested uh, the notion of Jake Roberts and Keith Richards dying on the same day, yes, like Adams yeah. and Jefferson? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you and you uh, asked me who's the one that's going to say the line, and I said it has to be Jake because Keith Richards doesn't know who Jake is. And I and I said I disagree because I think at one point in time both their heroin dealer was the same guy. <laughs> you think they, they, getting... they, they they had back-to-back pickups scheduled one day and ran into each other in the lot. Sure. Why not? Oh, oh we get the po- poor slam? Good to poor slam you. Oh, no, Romer is grabbing the leg. Hawk. High as a kite right now. He doesn't even know where he is. <laughs> Warlord just got a visual pinfall over the Bulldog, though. Yes, he did. Nice to see. Every, every time I see the Warlord, I just think about he challenged Hulk Hogan and Nassau for the title. That just is the greatest thing ever. I wish it made tape. That yeah, that's that that's that Bret Hart. Uh, what's that? Who's that guy you wrestled? <laughs> no, 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 the guy that everybody was like psyched about that tape. It was like Bret Hart versus uh, I forget the guy. Jesus, I can't remember. It was like in the eighties. It was like it was like one of his first matches. I forget. Now somebody's screaming it, but it's Brett, that. It's, it's the lost versus team. Steamboat. No, 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 no. It was um, it, it was like he was. I don't know if he was an enhancement guy or I forget what the guy's name. It doesn't matter. But um, it, the joke's dead now. It, it's a dead joke. But it's like Hogan, Hogan Warlord, and the Nassau Coliseum is that tape. <laughs> can I can I ask you a serious question though? So, uh, yeah. Straight out. Is the Warlord the greatest professional wrestler of all time? Although they may not be well liked among the tag team ranks, they are certainly respected. No. Um, it was Tom <laughs> McGee. But you had to think about it. <laughs> you had to think about it for yeah. a little bit. It was Bret Hart versus Tom McGee. That was that was oh, the oh, that, oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The whole so Holy Grail matches is what the you're Holy saying. Grail match. Yes, a Holy Grail match is Warlord versus Hogan in the Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, I, I think the entire 1991 Nassau Coliseum thing would be a Holy Grail between Hogan, yes. Warlord, and Bobby Heenan versus Mr. Fuji. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't have those fingers locked. He doesn't have, he doesn't have those locked. It's not even close. He doesn't have those fingers locked. He's not getting a. He's not getting full strength on that full Nelson. Trying to break free. And look at the tremendous upper body strength of both superstars. Who will win this war? Hey. Boy, 
breaking free, but before it can happen. All right, we got all six in the ring. Here we go. Well, this has been a much more competitive match involving LOD and Power and Glory. Joey Morella's had enough. Yeah, we're going to get a double disqualification. Did Hawk even get in the ring? He may not have. I don't think he did. A double disqualification. Wow. I love how Warlord did that thing where he put his arm up with Slick as if they had yeah. won and then got mad when they, the announcement was made. I always enjoy right. that. Delusional heels. It's very simple. It appeared to me that for long periods of time, Power and Glory and the Warlord held the upper hand. Why are we getting Lord heel Lord Al on this one? I, I only think of him as heel like in 94 and 95, where he was siding with Owen Hart every week. Like, Brett, you're a total motherfucker. Sorry, my Lord Al isn't as good as yours. <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> Brett! Superstars, I want to thank you again for volunteering. Be sure and keep an eye out for... I gotta say, Mooney wearing that helmet, it makes him look like a penis. Um, Not only that, but it's crooked. <laughs> it's off-center. This whole tape was Sean Mooney's Mike Dukakis in the tank moment. Oh, like, yes, seriously. definitely. What a dickhead. Bye-bye, <laughs> dickhead. Bye-bye, dickhead. Do we have a third annual Battle of the Superstars? Um, Not really sure, actually. <laughs> oh. Oh. Releases right to Coliseum Video, <laughs> Post Office Box One Three One One, Fairfield, New Jersey, O Seven Double O Seven. Okay. I'm British and I get to use Double O Seven. Oh, right. Al. Yes. So this, the, yeah, this was the second annual, and I guess they're going to play a little bit more stuff, but who knows how much that there will actually be. There, there is a. Um, I think they stopped calling it annual, and then the following year they called it the 1992 Battle of the Superstars. Oh. And I'm as I'm looking at that. Oh, there's some good matches on that. Oh, the Warlord. We should do that next week. <laughs> it's a, is there another Warlord versus uh, versus Davy Boy? All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you I'm gonna read you the lineup here. Okay. For the bat- battle of the WWF superstars, nineteen ninety two. You know, sometimes okay. I keep you in the dark on this, but I, I just want to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper versus Ric Flair and Sid Justice. That's the first mm-hmm. match. Okay. The Beverly Brothers and the Nasty Boys versus the Bushwhackers, Sergeant Slaughter and Jim Duggan. <sighs> Shawn Michaels okay. versus the British Bulldog. Okay. Now this is before WrestleMania eight. Okay. The okay. Nasty Boys in the Moonty versus the Natural Disasters in Bret oh, Hart. Oh, oh. Okay, I can get on board with that. <laughs> yeah. Now, now it gets good. This at this point, you think you think those matches were big. Just wait till you hear the last three. Okay. Virgil versus Repo Man. <laughs> oh boy. So we can continue <laughs> our Darso tribute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Tito Santana versus Skinner. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. That would be El Matador, but yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And lastly, from February 19th, 1992, Tatanka versus the Warlord. (laughs) Wow, those guys barely crossed. (laughs) That is garbage. (laughs) Yes, that is garbage. That's garbage. I... I want I, I I want to watch that, and I know the fiftieth show. Maybe we could watch like a movie or or something else. But I, I think no. I think Tatanka versus Warlord. I mean, that's a dream matchup. <laughs> you don't get that. Oh. Uh, you don't oh. get that every day. Yeah. Oh, try and that's try and so... try and try and contain yourself there, Keithy. Oh, I can't help. We got down. We got up. We got funky, and we got bad. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> the Good second day. annual battle of the WWF superstars, which makes it sound like the uh, battle of the network stars for some reason. <laughs> they should have battle of the WWE network stars. <laughs> they could Put have a, they could have like a foot race between Sarah Schreiber and Charlie Caruso, where Sarah wins because uh, Charlie Caruso shows up late. Oh, uh, no, I was going <laughs> to. I was gonna say Battle of the WWE Network Stars, and it's it's two Charlie Caruso versus versus America Ferrara from uh, Superstore. Oh, is that what she's on now? Well, she I was bet. on she was on Superstore. She's not, you know. Oh, okay. Because I I remember her from was it Ugly Betty? Ugly Betty, yes. And then yeah, she did it, she did yeah she did Superstore, but you know. Yes. Oh, uh, that's funny. Oh my god, that sh- that tape sounds awful. It's not. <laughs> what do you mean awful? It's got Sean versus the Bulldog in a well, uh, Saturday sorry. Night's Main Event preview. It started off. It started off good. It started off huge, and yeah. then it just it just. So Vir- Virgil versus Repo Man. Come on, what the hell do you want? <laughs> if only because we get to hear Repo Man. Well, I want to th- thank you for joining me this morning, and this is, this is historic because, did, did, I, did I mention on air that this is the last GFA Live that will be done with the current router that cut out on me numerous times over the course of these 49 episodes? So I'm grateful for that. So that that's what I have to do. I have to go now, and I have to set up the new the new router. Okay. Once once I'm done downloading the audio file. But thank thank you so much, Keithy. And enjoy your bacon if there's still any left. Oh, that's long gone, pal. <laughs> long gone and hard to find. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Great one. It was a moment on my lips, and now it'll be a lifetime on my hips, baby. Mm. <laughs> well. And enjoyed that. And please, for anybody who enjoyed this wonderful banter for the last two hours, leave a five-star review for GFA Live, Greetings of Allentown on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcast reviews are accepted, because it provides us no social proof that you're listening to and enjoying this program. Tune in next time for another exciting edition of GFA Live. And we stop this cruel game!